listening to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anke Herman, and I'm your host. My guest today is a world-renowned business strategist who helps online entrepreneurs increase sales through building a collaborative referral network. He's the author of the book Collaborate and Launch and founder of The Referral Method. And he is, in his own words, a marketing geek, motorsport nut, sales nerd, conversion junkie, and golf demon. Welcome, Philip Gibbs. Hello and welcome, Philip. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, hey, Anko. Yeah, I'm delighted. Really, um, really honoured to have an invite to come on your podcast and, uh, and share the story. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Let's start with the simple questions. Where are you based and, um, and what's your business? What do you do? Yeah, so I live in, uh, live in well, actually just outside Oxford uh, in the UK. And um, now I uh, help people profit through our online referrals and affiliate partnerships. Um, so it's really helping um, mainly, to be honest with you, people that have digital courses mm-hmm. uh, and membership sites. Uh, sell their um, sell their, their subscriptions or courses uh, without the need to gamble their money away up front. Um, so it's a very cost-effective, low-risk form of marketing, and that's why I love it. It's why I got passionate about it. But no doubt we'll come into that as we carry on talking. Absolutely. Uh, as somebody who ha- who has an online course, I'm like all ears. <laughs> so it sparks my my um, curiosity immediately, but. What I'm interested in first is how how did you get into the work you do now? Well, yeah, I, so I assume you didn't leave school thinking that's what you do. No, absolutely not. So, um, so I, I as a kid, I really, really loved cars, as I think probably a lot of young young lads can relate to, and. Um, Fortunately, uh, I was I was I lived fairly close to where Land Rover had a big testing development centre, and I basically went off and did an apprenticeship with them. Um, I did a six-year apprenticeship with them, with a couple of degrees, and ended up landing for me at the time. It was a dream job: uh, testing cars, developing cars all over the world. We'd go to the deserts of Dubai, wow. to the ice lakes of Canada. And uh, and everywhere in between, it was an absolute dream job at the time. And but then I guess as everything, you know, you start to chase the money. And uh, I got I got further and further. I guess fortunately at the time, you know, I was I was I was hopeful. I was achieving what I wanted to at the time. Um, but I got further and further away from the product and more into the project management and ultimately, uh, you know, sort of uh, people management roles. And uh, that's when I realized that actually it didn't hold that I didn't hold the passion for that side of the business that I did for the for the vehicles and the cars and um, really looked forward as to in the rest of my career, where could I go? What role could I end up with? And had a bit of a like a light bulb moment when I realized that there's no way that I was going to feel fulfilled um, uh, with with carrying on in the corporate world, so uh, at twenty nine, the youngest manager, uh, my claim to fame, the my the youngest <laughs> manager at the time in the entire Land Rover and BMW group, wow. um, 
I handed in my notice to the shock and awe of everybody around <laughs> I would have loved to see those faces. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, boss, my boss asked me three times how much more money that he needed to find because he couldn't yeah. believe that. I said, no, no, no. Uh, I, no, I, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. So you're not going to another job. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to go off and set up on my own. Um, how much more money do we need to find? He just kept on repeating it because I just think he just could not get his head around the fact that I decided to just do something else. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, when you decide, I, I just laugh because I remember my bosses when I handed in my notice saying, I'm going to move to Spain just to make flamenco dresses. They basically told me, "You, I mean, you're nuts. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you handed in your your notice, did you have an idea or a pretty clear idea or no idea about what that I'm going to do my own thing, what that was going to be? Yeah, well, I did actually, because um, I've also, uh, I also, I've played golf since I was uh, eight years old. And um, this was probably a really good lesson, I think, for people, uh, people that will be listening in. Um because I played golf, it was a hobby. Um, uh, fortunately, to play to quite a nice standard. And um, in my time at Land Rover, I'd done a, a couple of degrees: one in engineering, and then the latter in um, uh, business, project management, and marketing. And I got an opportunity to go and run a golf and country club for mm. uh, four investors who um, who had built it from scratch. And with a very clear plan that they wanted to scale it and exit uh, in a three to four year time frame. Um, and that's really what it enticed me over because I thought this could be a super exciting project. And effectively, whilst it was, um, you know, I went in as like the general manager, if you like. Um, and as a very keen golfer, I understood all the mechanics of the, of the business um, from an operational point of view. Uh, but I learned masses about the actual, you know, how business actually happens, apart mm. from the superficial theoretical side that you learn in, in university. But of course, I was doing it without necessarily risking any of my own money in that step um, because it, the four guys were the investors. Um, but that said, we did very nicely. Um, I I did turn a hobby into a career, which mm. I think is a mistake. Um, in hindsight, it was a big mistake um, because I then effectively had no hobby. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, and life, uh, you know, life became one giant work mode. And uh, and and that in itself, I learned some lessons from that because I got very uh, one dimensional, which I'd never do again. Um, I'd always try and trigger a, an additional hobby to come alongside it because I had no downtime. I was literally yeah. there and yeah. That's interesting that you're saying that because I started my sewing business because sewing was my hobby. That was my favorite pastime, you know, and I converted it into a business. So I very much relate to the thing. Then all of a sudden it's kind of everything. And while there is, I think a lot of truth to saying, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life again. But I think there's also a lot of truth to to another saying. I don't know the words, but it's like if you, it's the fastest way to lose a passion. Yes, I think um, so. I think I I agree with that statement. In that, if you enjoy what you do, it doesn't mm. feel like work. 
because I think that's fortunately what I've managed to create for myself now. But I, I do think it's, um, it, you know, it's everybody makes their own judgment, don't they? But for me, it was a definite mistake. Mm. Um, not, I should have created another hobby that gave me some downtime in doing something else that wasn't uh, that because I just everything just became all consumed around the golf club and of course golf clubs unfortunately are businesses that that run for 16 hours a day seven days a week and um, you know (laughs) difficult to get away from them Yeah, yeah and it's funny because you have to be sometimes careful that you know be careful what you wish for you know because <laughs> you know what happens if you actually got that you know so yeah. how did you then like what was the next step because that seems like such a valuable stepping stone it feels like a stepping stone yeah it was it was i i knew um, i mean i think ultimately when i was leaving land rover um i i knew i wanted to do something for myself but mm. i didn't know what it was and um, to be honest with you, I don't know whether I was really brave enough or in the right mindset to even be receptive to, to, to the ideas that, that could have been around at that time. Um, so the, the logical step of having control over something um, uh, <laughs> and, and, and sort of it being in control of my own destiny, but not necessarily any of the risk elements that was involved yeah. with that was a, was a golden stepping stone for me, for sure. Mm. And I, and over those four years, you know, I learned, I learned everything. It really refined the skills and, and took all the theory that you learn, um, and, and put a, a big sort of rubber stamp of endorsement into the practical aspect of yeah, exactly what's as were required. I mean, we, we exited really well in the end, but, um, you know, I'll be honest, there was some really, really rocky, rocky moments along the way as it was, I look back on it with fond memories now, but there were some really tough times, um, over the, over that four year period. Mm, I can imagine. I mean, I, like, it's funny what you when you said about the control because I think working in in large corporations that was always the thing that like I most felt lacking or missing or you felt like that tiny little wheel thing, you know, that kind of functions in the bigger scheme, but you really don't actually have any impact or any control over where the whole ship is going. So to have the possibility to actually have some control <laughs> is, you know, but, but then with other, with, with four stakeholders, sort of say like four bosses, you know, that I can, I can see, <laughs> I can see some trouble there as well. Yeah. They, they were very good in fairness. Uh, actually the, 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 the owners are in, incredibly supportive. Um, yeah, it's just the, the, the politics of, of that was around a business that's open literally 16 hours a day, seven days a week, um, you know, and 28 members of staff, big premises, big grounds, lots, lots going on. You know, it's a, it, they're, they're a complex businesses, uh, golf and country clubs, you know, very diverse in their nature. Mm. And it really gave me a proper schooling in business. Yeah, and I've used a lot of the skills that I learned during that four year period to, to then stand me in very good stead as I've gone off to do the next phase of my career. So what, how did you get into the next phase then? So it, it, um, 
it, this one was a much tighter fit than actually going from testing cars to running a golf club. Um, so uh, uh, in the <laughs> um, yeah, complete curveball. Um, so uh, obviously, when you're building a business to sell it, we were looking for every possible revenue stream that we could develop, and um, we had uh, a couple of retail shops on site. Um, one selling golf equipment, one selling homewares, and um, Basically, we were looking at the stock room and thinking, well, we've got all this stock, we've got all these accounts, we've got all this stuff that that a lot of people can't necessarily access immediately. And it was like, well, how can we how can we sell to more people than are walking through the door? And bear in mind, I'm going back to 2005, 2006. So the Internet was not what it is now. Um <laughs> social media was just didn't exist and um, yeah you know it's a, a different animal and so we we set up and started initially selling some stuff on ebay and then we built some e-commerce sites and um it was this part that really started to um get my juices flowing if you like mm. for want of a better term it always it always got my attention i loved the ability to reach people really from even in those days um certainly all over the country in those days, you know, and latterly that's now become all over the world uh, with relative ease in comparison to waiting for somebody to drive it down the drive and come in the building. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really liked that side of it and, and um, it grew rapidly and it got my attention. And I realized as I came out that actually that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into the digital marketing world. Mm. Um, and then I came across the referral uh, and affiliate partnerships um, towards the end of the time at the golf club when um, effectively we were, again, sort of just looking for revenue streams. And we would we set up partnerships with all the local businesses um, wow. where, you know, and it was reciprocal arrangements. Like if, you know, if they sent us business and we were able to promote their business to our members, then of course it was a, you know, so it was a, I, I would look back on it now and say it might be a crude version of what I've, what we've developed these days. But um, I really loved that win-win type mm. Um, arrangement they're very rewarding to set up and um, you know in business sometimes it's all can be all too much about what what you can take from uh, a relationship and um, actually I went into it very much with what I could give because we had a database of 3,000 odd local people that were reasonably well off and therefore you go to car dealerships and and restaurants and what have you and offer them access to that database and they would immediately you know eyes light up and and then you know (laughs) reposity kicks in and you're helping them so then they're looking at how they can help you and I loved that model and so I really took that as we sold the golf club and looked at how I could use the online aspect and the partnership aspect to go off and create a, a, an avenue all of my own. I, I love I, what I love about that is is how having exposure to all these different facets of a business opens you up. It reminds me of um, I keep talking. I don't. <laughs> I keep talking about the guy uh, Sean D'Souza. He's got a website psychotactics.com, and he's got a couple of article slash podcast episodes about finding your passion. And he always makes the stand that, no, you don't go and find your passion. 
what you do is like you go out, do stuff. And out of that, your passion can find you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not aware of it, but I can completely see why you pulled that up after that, because that's, that's what happened is initially I thought I'd got my passion. I thought golf was it. You know, I loved golf. But then I realized that actually going from that, that maybe that wasn't it. And, and maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the partnership aspect, the win-win relationship of marketing and the online world was, that's really, that's, that was really the passion. Because now, now genuinely, I could say that I do love my work. Um, it doesn't feel like work. You know, we're sat here at whatever time recording this podcast. It, I don't really feel like I work any days a week because I just yeah. love what I do. But equally, I've got my downtime, which I think is the key. I'd always encourage any listeners, um, if, you're, if you do do something that is your passion, then try and make sure that you keep a, a sideline that, that is your switch off time, your rest, yeah. relaxation and recuperation time. Absolutely. And I actually think you probably, I don't know how, tell me how consciously you made that decision because when I listened to the story in, in the golf club, it was sort of heading along a similar path as with the cars. Like the more you got into the business side of it, how much time did you actually get to play? Like you love playing golf. Yeah. And that's like a totally different animal from running a golf club. You know, so I think it's a very similar thing. So you started off with that passionate bit, but then the work around it had very little to do with the thing you're actually passionate about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, particularly, you know, it took nearly, uh, it took nearly 18 months to actually sell and exit because, you know, it's a complex animal to, to, sort, of, uh, to sort of move on. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, during that time, I, I literally couldn't get away from the place fast enough um you know and even if it was like eight nine o'clock at night um you know it it, it yeah it completely spun it on its head it, it had done effectively what the cars had done you're 100 percent correct mm. um and i did sort of swear i you know i learned my lesson from that i i came out and i um there's a little clip on my website of this is that i actually had a had a beer with my dad as um as we were exiting and, and selling the club and um He's always been a great mentor of mine and um, we get on really well. And, and he said, what you, because at that time I'd got an idea, but I didn't really know what I was going to do next. And, and yet we were selling the club. So it was like, well, look, this is coming to an end. I've, I've mm. got to make my mind up. And um, he said, why don't you write on a piece of paper all the things you love uh, about, you know, and then all the things that you don't like. And, and I was like, I don't want any stuff anymore. I don't want premises. Don't give me any stock. I'm certainly not working in the leisure industry. Um, it was all the bits and pieces, you know, the people would, you know, people ring you on a Sunday afternoon to tell you that their soup's cold and all the rest of it. It's just, <laughs> just nonsense. You know, it's just like, oh, don't give me that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was just like, I, I don't want any of that size. So I effectively, um, out of looking at what I didn't want, I created the business model that I did want mm. and then went off and searching for it. And it was that was the online side that ticked a lot of those boxes. Flexibility, yeah. lean, you know, relatively no staff, no staff to start with for sure. Um, 
yeah, it, it's it, there's that aspect. Um, there's a clip on my website of us having a beer, and I've actually to this day, I wish I'd kept it, but uh, to this day, um, I have the piece of paper somewhere around the office here that I oh, wrote cool. out yeah. uh, back in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's such a powerful question, and it's one that we don't really ask ourselves an awful lot. It's like, what is it that I actually want? Mm. What is it that I actually love doing? And it's, it's, yeah, it's incredible how, how when you actually wrote that down, it was kind of all of a sudden like, yeah, it kind of jumps at you from the page, didn't it? Yeah, committing it to paper is a great thing as well. I'd, I'd recommend yeah. anybody listening, I mean, that's a bit of an adage, isn't it, with goals and what have you, but um, definitely committing it to paper makes you realize that you know as good because actually the piece of paper has got all sorts of scribbles on it and the mm. version i ended up with is not the version i started with so you just sort of let it flow <laughs> and it kicked around for a few days and until it sort of settled on what the what the plan should be going forward yeah yeah i can i can definitely see um so how did you find then like now you knew what you were going to do that's pretty clear so how did you then go about finding your first clients for that kind of work? Yeah, so I built up um, being the, the sort of the people person that I am, um, uh, which is, I guess, is why I love the partnership side um, of business. Um, I'd, I'd started to build up a really good network from local business uh, around uh, around the golf club. And people knew that we were selling uh, products online and, and what have you, and that was going quite well. And so basically I used my network to reach out and, and say, well, look, I've, I've done this from, from relatively humble startup um, mm. uh, position from, you know, we had no online business before. And in the next number of years, we've built a really nice sized business. And um, basically, just started working with a couple of local businesses that I I got uh, I'd got an intro to from the previous. So I just used my network, um, and then realised that network was going to be key to me turning this from an idea into a business. And uh, and so then rapidly got out networking and building my community um, as rapidly as I could. But focusing on doing it in a way that I was knew I was connecting with the right people. Mm. So it was because um, I do think it's about like it's about thinking, not linking. Uh, you know, it's it, it's. Uh, <laughs> Tell me know, more about that. <laughs> uh, so well, I uh, so it's an adage I use with LinkedIn all the time. I think you know people blindly connect with people on LinkedIn, but with have zero strategy behind it. Um, and actually, I just think that's damaging. Um, because it's much easier to connect with somebody if you know that you can add some value or connect in a meaningful way um, than it is to just blindly connect. I'd rather connect with one person at a good level than 10 or 100 people at a superficial level because ultimately if I do it at the superficial level, I don't actually know who's in that higher number and and what I may do is make a poor impression on somebody that would be a perfect mm. partner. So I like to go slow and steady uh, and yeah. build, you know, good long-term relationships uh, with people. So, um, yeah, it's an adage I use with, with LinkedIn because I, I mean, how, I don't know how many requests you get, but literally there must be like 10 or so a day come in. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know any of them. 
you know, and none of them have made any intention to look me up or look at my website. Maybe one a week does, you know, yeah. uh, and puts a decent comment in there. So it's unfortunately people just think that it's volume is good and it isn't. It's quality rather than quantity. Absolutely. And it's funny. I mean, with LinkedIn, it's really quite funny because I'm, I'm pretty active there. And I know that there's several schools of, you know, there's level, there's like loads of people who teach this stuff now, what to do on LinkedIn. And, and there are, I know there are quite a few people who actually teach that stuff to say, well, you just connect with at least 30 people a day. And basically until LinkedIn kicks you off and you just click, click, click. And so that, that's definitely, and like, I know names of people who actually teach that stuff. And, and, but when you're on the receiving end, you see how ineffective that is. Yeah, I mean, it's just total bullshit, really, yeah. isn't it? Excuse me, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to swear or not, but it is. It makes me feel more comfortable because then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, part of me just can't get my head around how people think that that's a decent strategy. It's just, yeah. uh, just like, surely, you know, we can all hide behind our computer screens. Um, and, and does that make it, does digital make things um much more efficient of course it does um but at the end of the day we're humans and we have a, a human connection uh you know is a strong thing and will go much farther than that superficial level of engagement um so yeah i think if people are like thinking of taking the step at next step or a little unsure as to um whether they should break out on their own then uh, it's probably the main thing that i would work on is is have a strategic think about what you'd like to do and the type of people that could help you do it um then that doesn't necessarily mean customers or clients hmm. um you know that might be mentors or coaches or all those kind of people that that can shine a light on the best way for you to proceed and and ultimately become your build a, pe a team of people around you a network of people around you that champion you um because sometimes breaking out if you're particularly if you're the first entrepreneurial element in your family um breaking out can be a very lonely challenging time that tests your emotional intelligence yeah. um around how secure you are in yourself and if you've got or have a strategy around building up a good network of people um that you can look to for help support guidance yeah that kind of stuff uh you know if that's not immediately available to you in your family or even if it is it's good to have that third party network outside um and there's lots of people that will mentor you because you know out of the kindness of their heart um and yeah. point you in the right direction because ultimately is we like being asked for our opinion and help and support and guidance. And uh, therefore, really, all you've got to do on the other side of that is just pop your hand up, raise your hand up and ask. And there'll always be people that have got time to help you. Absolutely. And the, the issue of, of doubt or people not being support, supportive, it's something that I find comes up an awful lot. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with people I know, with clients of mine, there's, because I think you're, like, people usually mean well. I think it's not very often that somebody's really out to, well, I'm going to try and destroy you. You know, like, they're usually 
go in there with the best intention, but there's a lot of <laughs> unsolicited advice. I mean, you know, and everybody has an opinion and quite often in an attempt to protect you, they'll say, oh, that'll never work or you're crazy. And it's really, if you have no, nobody who has your back, nobody who believes in you, if it's just you, you have to constantly go against what feels like discouragement. You know, and I think all the early, early failures, the early, you know, when you go out and you try and connect with somebody and they won't, don't want to know about you or they, you know, don't return your call or don't even respond. And I think that's all stuff that's easy <laughs> to be taken seriously and personally and all of that. So, yeah, I definitely agree. The more of a network you have of people and I think who aren't your family, <laughs> it's usually easier because, you know, less conflict of interest there. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my network now is 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 the single both. Well, I think there's two things. You know, it's like the um, you could take everything else away, but if I if if I had, and I do have, you know, you can't take away the knowledge that you've got. Mm. But um, if you've got the knowledge and the network, I could lose everything else, and and, and those the, those are the two powerful things that you would immediately anchor back to. Um, and that's, you know, after a period of time, it gives you a really nice sense of security. But it's a strategic element to do that. You know, you've always, you build up your knowledge, but it's strategic to think about building your network up too. Yeah, it's such a valid point because I don't think a lot of people talk about that. You know, everybody always throws tools and techniques at you and strategies, but it isn't, or, or then you hear about like the strategic partnerships in a sense, like, okay, I partner up with so-and-so and we launch the thing, you know, but I, what I hear you saying is more like a deeper connection, a more personal connection, a more long-term relationship that can have, make room for lots of collaborations over time. Yeah. And, and, you know, and going into things with zero expectation of a, of a, yes. of a, you know that that's that's really the best way to go in i mean my very first mentor um you know i i uh, i had no immediate connection to him um but in i worked out there's a funny story around this because so we might as well share this so um he charged five thousand dollars a day and i i knew his i knew his rate and i worked out that um, effectively, I could afford um, at that time. I could afford three minutes and fifteen seconds. So <laughs> I, I deliberately reached out to him and said, "Look, I know that you sell your time by the day, um, but I can't afford that. What I can afford is three minutes and fifteen seconds." Uh, and yeah, and you, it was, it was, it was that. It was that. It was that introduction. We then spent sixty minutes on the phone which was, you know, for me was a huge win. Um, and he went on to agree to say, well, look, anytime you want to reach out, if you want to have a quick call, quick 30-minute call once a month or something like that, I'll gladly help you, you know, steer you in the right direction. And maybe there's a few people I can introduce you to. And so That's I think brilliant. it's about being creative with what you've got. I knew I could at that time, you know, I'd got no money of my own, you know, there's no way I could afford to spend in five grand for a day. So it was like, no, well, here you go. This is, I've got a few hundred quid. I could do this. <laughs> and <laughs> but we, it worked. And we, 
Yeah, you know, it was that novel. He was uh, he was so amused by the approach. I think initially that's how that, that's what got the phone call. Um, I bet. You know, and then initially an hour later, you know, I've made I've, I've made a friend effectively. Yeah. It just needed to nurture the relationship. Um, and now, you know, now I, I like to spin it back around again. You know, I, I speak at a lot of mastermind events. I'm a member of a lot of networks and masterminds. And it's nice to be able to give back to the um, newer people. It's not necessarily always the younger people. Either. Oh, no. Um, I, actually, a lot. Of, I find a lot of yeah. people now... Um, start looking at doing their own thing like sort of when they're pretty much steering towards retirement it's like i don't want another 10 years of this so they're like well in their 50s late 50s like okay it's there's this sense of when like if not now when yeah you know so i don't want to keep going as i'm going and i don't have time to stuff around anymore Mm. I think um, the other one I, I definitely wanted to mention um, whilst we're on here um, was it's actually a tactic that I've rolled out for the last just over the last two years now and um, effectively bringing people into my business to it's a it's a it's another one of my like win-win partnerships if you like so um, occasionally you know we all have openings in the business and I happily like bring people in who can um, they may be in a startup phase. So again, they may be younger, middle-aged or, 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 you know, in that sort of 50, 55, 60 year old bracket. And, um, but effectively it's like a mutual, um, apprenticeship really, if you like, in that they're going to come in and help me with some, um, labor and access and that kind of stuff. Uh, and of course then we share with them the tools, the techniques that we use, the, the, the team that we've got, they get to see how we're structured from the inside. Um, and typically they sort of give like a day a week or half a day a week, whatever genuinely they can afford. Um, and, you know, it's, it's unpaid. It's like an unpaid internship is probably mm. a better way of describing it. Um, and effectively like three, three or six months. And that gives them the insight to, you know, how my business runs, how the team's yeah. structured, all that sort of stuff. And, and I find that that's, it, it's, it, it's very rewarding for me because it, it helps it helps the business it helps i like giving back so that's nice and equally it gives them an insight that otherwise they wouldn't they wouldn't have access to and that may help the shape and uh, frame them going forward so always be able to ask for that too because i know i'm not the only one that does that but when nobody necessarily advertises it mm. um but um you know if, if you feel that there's a company that um you would love to understand how it works yeah. then offer to do half a day a week a day a week or what's it unpaid uh, and how can you help them how can you get an uh, insight into how they work um because i think you'd, you'd be surprised at how many will take you up on that um and That's, give back um yeah. and you get a, you get an, a, a, an insight that you couldn't pay for absolutely yeah, yeah. so where you were headed from now yeah, Where are you so, going? <laughs> so I think um, so. I'm 45 now, and um, I've 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 got a little mission on that by 50, um, I want to have I want to have complete uh, choice in my. People talk about freedom, don't they? And freedom, I think, means different things to everybody. Um, 
for me, freedom is choice. It's mm-hmm. like to, to choose exactly what I want to do and when I want to do it. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to be pretty successful in what we do now. And, um, and so for me, I've got a, like a clear plan to move towards that. Um, and, and then come 50, I think it's a very much like a, how can I, how can I give back and support and, and help people on the journey that I've come on? And uh, how can I support them even more than I am now? Uh, and I, I think that's from a global point of view too, because I think there's, you know, we've, I'm fortunate enough to live in a, you know, in a, in a fairly advanced country. You know, I know it has its struggles and what have you, but there's a lot of countries out there where where kids, um, kids and and middle age have literally nothing, and uh, and yet they don't. They've still got the aspiration, and uh, I'd love to do more to to help them um, going forward too. So, five years of really, you know, perfecting the art of where we are now. And, you know, then blending in um, some opportunity to give more back and, and help people navigate the path that I've, that I've worked out, if you like. Yeah, sounds fabulous. So if people want to find out more about you, where would we send them? I obviously put it in the show notes, but I'd like you to say it in case somebody just listens in the car and won't. Yeah, sure. So, um so at my website, uh, philipgibbs.co.uk, P-H-I, bless my mother, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-G-I-B-B-S.co.uk. Um, I have to always spell that out now. After she. <laughs> um, so uh, philipgibbs.co.uk, that's my, that's my site. Um, but actually to connect, um, I spend most of my time on Facebook. Uh, Facebook's my most engaged platform. So uh, come find my business page on Facebook or um, I've got some groups. One of them is free on Facebook that people can jump on over and join where I give like, you know, trainings and insights and and all that sort of stuff too. So um, I'd say website or Facebook is the best way to go. Um, uh, If people are at all interested in learning how to uh, use a collaborative marketing strategy, uh, to build up a referral network and and basically be able to generate sales in a very very low risk uh, strategy, then I, I do have a book, uh, Collaborate and Launch. Or, uh, um, it's a book I wrote. It took me nine months to write it, but it's got all my 11, 12 years of experience in it. And um, at Collaborate and Launch, and that's available via the site. You can save fifty percent if you go and. Uh, uh, pop over to the site, my website, philipgibbs.co.uk, um, the, click on the link that's obvious on the homepage, and you say 50%. It's available on Amazon, but unless for some reason you want to pay full price, um, pop over to my site and get it for half price. <laughs> that's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming. There's just so much gold in there. I'm going to have to listen again. It was fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming. And yeah. um, we'll be in touch. You're Mr. Network, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, Absolutely. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Absolutely. And thank you once again for inviting me on your show. I've really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Passion Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one.